Yo guys, welcome to episode 94 of the Humanity Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. And guys, today I'm joined by a black belt out of Lilius Barnat Martial Arts in Spain. Really nice gym, guys. That gym looks fucking decent. Yeah, Chris Thompson, guys. Chris is one of the main matchmakers for Grapple Fest. We talk a lot about how he first set up the the invitational, the rule sets that shows how they pick people to get into the matches. As well as, you know, we, funnily enough, the most recent Grapple Fest before the, the Rona was uh, my first ever exposure to the Rutola Brothers. We talk about that a bit. We talk about Chris's instructional grappling for gringos, which of course, guys, you can find in the description below. It looks really fucking good and I highly recommend it. So guys, with that said, I'm going to leave you with uh, me and Chris talking about the instructional. And of course, Chris's install being the bio. It's at Tomo underscore ASW. And guys, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. To make the instructional, like, uh, why, why'd you make... Uh that one, what, why'd you, what made you pick those moves in particular? And the, and the great name. I love the name. Grappling for Gringos. For Gringos. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, you know, I mean, obviously, obviously, hey, first of all, thanks for the shout out. But it was, um, it was yeah, it, the name was a bit of a joke, you know. It, the Gringo thing's been around for so long, hasn't it? You know, it's been a bit of a derogatory term, so to speak. But it's actually now, I think, these days, becoming a bit of a compliment because I think the Gringos are sort of starting to take over, especially in the style of, submission grappling that I like um, and, and the style is becoming sort of professional grappling so I thought hey, it'll stand out a little bit and um, it's like my style is very hybrid I've learned lots of different styles over the years cash wrestling sort of some folk style wrestling jiu-jitsu in there submission wrestling so it's a bit of a hybrid mix you know so I just thought well, rather than just in one thing and there's loads of guys with leg lock DVDs out there Craig Jones Gordon Ryan you know Lachlan Giles you can't compete with those guys. So you've got to come up with something a little bit different and show you know, a few different styles. And um, it's quite a lot of some older base catch wrestling stuff, I think, in there. But the newer guys probably haven't seen this stuff, which was sort of when I first started 16, 17 years ago. It was, you know, there was a lot of that about, especially where I'm from in the northwest of England. And mm. a lot of that about. But these days, it seems to have been a little bit forgotten and everyone's gone a little bit crazy, you know, and sort of hell guard and worm guard and stuff like that. And I thought, well, Let's bring back something a bit simpler, a bit rougher, a bit nastier. And uh, see if you like it. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, had some, uh, it's had some good reviews so far. So it's only been on sale for, uh, I think, three days now. So you're doing okay. So uh, pretty pleased with it, mate. Pretty pleased, mm. yeah. Mm. And guys, there's like there's coupon sales now on BGJ Fanatics at the moment. So like you'd have to be an idiot not to take advantage. Like <laughs> there's literally no reason not to get it. So people... But see, no, Chris, and it's, it's priced well. It's priced. It's, it's, it's sixty-seven dollars. I think that's like fifty-five euros or forty-eight quid or something like that. So mm. it's not breaking the bank. It's not, you know, it's not mm. one of these ridiculous ones for three hundred dollars. Oh man, see, like uh, to bring it back to like what you're saying about like uh, bring it back some old stuff. <laughs> bring it back. But see, like at least you didn't do the ten planet thing where you act like you invented it and give it a stupid name and like a million extra step, <laughs> yeah. a million extra steps. Uh. <laughs> And, and, and that's one of the things as well I tried to do in the instructional was I tried to sort of make it like really simple and go, listen, there's no need for these 20-move things to get you to one position. You can literally get there in two or three moves if you do it correctly. And it's, it's like some of the stuff you see on Instagram, isn't it? It looks great, it looks flashy, but who's pulling that off in the gym or in competition? No one is, is it? It's basic stuff, isn't it? Everyone mm. finishes with... with Kimuras, guillotines, rear naked jokes, leg locks, you know, arm bars, triangles. That's about it. You know? There isn't too much more, is there? So let's get ourselves to a simple position. Let's get there in the most simplest way we can. 
a lot of pressure, a lot of control, and let's try and finish, you know, rather than, I, I could show you a 50-point move, but I'm just like, yeah, I don't really think you need that mm. <laughs> at all. Uh, I think it's best if you could explain it to someone who doesn't understand grappling. Like, oh, what's he, what's he doing here? Oh, uh, he's pinning him here and he's fucking twisting the shoulder the wrong way. Oh, what's he doing there? Oh, he's fucking holding both his legs, twisting his groin, twisting his neck the wrong way and putting him in a toehold at the same time. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot easier, isn't it? it, it and, and, it's, uh, and I think, you know, a lot of people have got a grasp of um, grappling these days because of the UFC, you know, guys like McGregor. He's obviously had another bad weekend, but you know, a few years ago he came to the forefront and they brought it in, and people started to watch it. So your average sort of you know twenty to thirty year old guy on the street does sort of know what an armbar is or, or a kimura is or a triangle is. So they have got a little bit of an idea, haven't they? So if you can simplify things for people, I think you've got a lot more chance of people watching stuff, and that's good. And I've bought deep done it in the past. I bought instructions in the past. I remember buying um who's was it? I think it was Leandro Lowe's. This is going back years ago when it was like BJJ super deals and it was just like passing matrix six or something like that. I watched about twenty minutes of it and just went, fuck that. I didn't have a clue what he was doing. I had no idea what he was doing. I couldn't work it out. He was changing his grips every ten seconds, this and that and running around him at 200 miles an hour, and I thought, I'm never going to be able to do that. I'll send it off. One of the ones I watched, uh, I like this. I, wa- I really want to be able to do this. Like uh, I watched Cyborg's fucking uh, passing instructional, and like uh, he does this one where he grabs both the pant legs and like flips over them, and then like it's the weirdest thing ever. I'm like... How the fuck am I supposed to do that? I know he's a heavyweight and he moves like a lightweight. But I'm, I'm just some stupid fucking... Well, I used to be a middleweight, but, like, I can't fucking do that. Explain, please. I'm like, oh. Uh, yeah, it's uh, like, it's, yeah. And, and a lot of stuff just won't work for you. There's yeah. stuff that you can tell. Like when I'm teaching in the gym, I can be teaching a class and I'll be thinking, you know, I'll know 50% of the people in this room will be able to make this work. And 50% of people in the room, it'll never work for them. But I might show something the next day, continuation of it, and it'll be the other way around, you know what I mean? So you have to look at that. It's like, and if we all had the same style of jiu-jitsu and we all did the same thing, it'd be pretty shit, wouldn't it? Mm. You know, so it's, you know, you've got to pick out what's your style, what you like, what sort of stuff works for you, and then sort of, you know, hope you pull it all together. But, uh, but yeah, I just try to make it really simple, really simple. I think there's a lot of stuff in there I can't really see, but there's things that in that that most people couldn't do, so... If 75, 80% people can do it, I'd be pretty happy with that. Mm. Yeah, like you don't see the big uh, chunky fellas doing fucking Baron Bolus each and every day. <laughs> no. <laughs> Certainly don't see me doing them either. <laughs> now, with, with great effort and a lot of practice, I can do a very shit bolo. But I'm like, man, in my four years of doing jiu-jitsu, I pulled off a Baron Bolu one time, rolling, once. I'm like, I think, I think I'll just hang up the bolo thing and just say, yeah, I did it one time. <laughs> I've caught a couple, but it's always been when they've been trying to do something else and basically put me in the position where if I just continue rolling, I'll get it. I've never, I don't think I've ever forced one in my life. You know, the people who are getting, you know, hand grips and they're rolling here and they're getting the daily heaver hook in, they're spinning around and taking the back and I'm just like, that'll just be great. Mm. Yeah. One, one of the weirdest ones I ever saw, and I'm like, how is this possible? It was like, okay, say you're in single leg X and you're you're on you you're based on one knee, so you're not standing up. You sort of push the foot off, so you, know, you obviously pass single leg X, and then he fucking like yeah. dives under to Baron Bolu there. I'm like, 
That is fucking weird. I I don't think that that doesn't seem very feasible to me because you know it seems I like they just they just foot, foot lock you. There is guys who can pull it off, isn't there? But let's face it, ninety percent of us aren't pulling it off. And I think in some ways we I call them sort of seminar techniques, isn't there? So I've done the two seminars. I'll do seminars. I'll do seventy-five, eighty percent of the seminar. I'll be nice, easy stuff because in your seminars, your majority of people are white and blue belt, few purples, couple of higher levels. I'll do stuff that everyone can do. And then at the end of the thing, you chuck in a couple of little moves like that. They're a little bit crazy. Everyone goes, whoa, look at that. That's amazing. <laughs> but you know for a fact that they're never going to use it, but it just makes them think, oh, well, do you remember that movie you did at the end? And, you know, Ooh, yeah. Maybe I should buy his DVD and get more information about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> mm. uh, see, one, one thing I fucking, I read, I, I, I like this. When I go to, like, I've gone to seminars with, like, Lucas Lechi and Adam Forzinski, and they just, They'd go over stuff that's in their DVDs, and I'm like, it's like an advertisement for it. And then I buy the DVD, and it's all like, yeah. it has all the stuff with more detail. Because one of the most annoying things is when you don't record a seminar and you might forget the details. Like, I, there's stuff in this fucking from the Lucas seminar and the Adam seminar that I still fucking use. Like this fucking escape from fucking uh, front headlock to get back to half guard by flaring an underhook. I'm like, that's fucking genius. I'm doing that shit every fucking day. Oh yeah, it's the, the you know perfect little things that are just there. I remember, you know, I remember years ago, um, you know, doing one where it's front headlock stuff, people going for guillotines, and they got your neck and you couldn't fight the hands, and it was yeah, just put your hands on the knees instead, so they can't sit back and they can't get the guillotine. And I remember learning that in about the first one or two years of jujitsu, and I still do it to this day. You know, I remember caught in there, and I'm like, yeah, well, they're not going to sit up and guillotine me because I've got control of the legs. So, if anything, they're going to have to go on the front headlock and try to go for go-behind. And if you do, I'm going to be waiting for it. I hope they can regard. And these little simple things will stick in your brain, won't they? You know, and, and I think if you, can, if, it, if you can teach it really well and you can make it simple, people get it. And uh, it's like you say, these 20, these, there's so many. Of these. I think everyone, when the instructionals came out, they got big, didn't they? And I think everyone got into these big 20-point moves. You know all these mad things, and, and uh, I think it became a bit a bit normal. And everyone was trying to sort of make the next one the bigger and better. And I think hopefully it's going back a little bit now to make them simplifying it a little bit. I mean, just look at competition jujitsu. Competition mm. jujitsu is really mm. yeah. Awesome. Like I know people they don't even they don't even look at instructionals, look at technique videos or anything. They're like they watch fucking competition footage to see what's working. I know a guy he just watches all he watches is Gordon Ryan. And fucking Mikey Musumesi, and all he does is fucking float pass and play K guard and go to revert fucking backside 50 50, backside 50 50. I was going to say reverse 50 50. I'm like, that doesn't even exist. But you know, he's just, <laughs> just regurgitate. Well, people will make that up, that up now. It's like, oh yeah, this is reverse 50 50. You'll get heel hooked all the time here. <laughs> no, yeah. well, that is basically back in the day, that is how I used, to, that's what I used to do. I used to get YouTube, I used to get competition matches. Or even when the IBGF used to be a shitty streams on screens and let's just sit there and rewind how they'd done it and how they, and that's how you know this is before instructionals came out, you know, before fanatics was super deals or you know, or anything like that. I basically that's what I used to do myself, is just sit there and rewind footage. And you're going back ten years here, you know what I mean, doing that because there wasn't really much other way to do it, you know, there was the odd, the odd thing floating around here and there, but I always thought that was the best way. And I picked up some great stuff doing that, to be honest. So I was like, well, that's working in the, in the finals of the world, and it's got to work, hasn't it? Mm. You know, I'm trying to But you don't quite pick up the details, and you're always missing something. But I think you've got to make jiu-jitsu your own as well anyway. You know, what, what you can do and what I can do, 
are always going to be slightly different. So if you can make it your own, it's, uh, you know, it's always a good thing. Mm. Yeah, like me, case in point, I keep trying to get Darce chokes, even though they haven't worked in the past fucking month because I'm a stubborn cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, dude, I, I just love Darcy's chokes in front headlock nowadays. Dude, the best thing in the world is putting someone into cradle and watching them watching them squirm out, try to squirm out of it. <laughs> Absolutely love cradles, love front headlocks, big part of my game, chin straps, stuff like that. All going back to the wrestling sort of rounds, a lot of things. And then if you say, well, you can't do a lot with this, she's stuck in this position. I'm like, yeah, you can. There's shitloads you can do. It's just you probably <laughs> haven't been taught it properly. So I think, mm. I think that sort of stuff will come into fashion as well. I think it'll come back. Mm. Man, my all-time favorite thing i was catching this for months and months and months a while ago the peruvian necktie dude it's it's so fucking good and man, it's, it's one it's one of those exotic submissions that people they're not really aware of so it's like just a super guillotine and people are like oh shit what the fuck is this and they're tapping and they're tapping before they know what the fuck is even going on there's a variation i've done in the um in the uh in the instructional, a uh, real nice one with the shin. So if anyone wants to watch that, it's a beautiful one. And I catch a lot of people because it doesn't actually feel you get like you're going to get Peruvian because you don't step over the head. You use the shin instead. And it's a, really, it's a lovely one in there. So if anyone, if anyone likes the Peruvian, have a good check of that one out. You'll, uh, you'll like it. Man, that, that, that fucking shin variation sounds fucking decent. I'm going to check that out after this fucking uh, this episode. <laughs> uh, so, Chris, like, uh, one thing I'm curious about with each of my guests is how you first got into grappling or anything, and did you train anything before starting jiu-jitsu? Yeah, I mean, I mean like, I've done, played rugby, I've done some wrestling when I was a kid, uh, boxing, done all that sort of shit, played footy, you know, all, all this. And um, basically, I said, I was living in Spain, in Spain again at the time. You've gone back years ago, just about um, and the gym I used to go to in 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 Port Venus, they had like um, a little back room. Little dog go in there, and I just kept seeing him in the back room, just rolling around doing all this. I was watching the USC, and this is back in the day. I mean, you, you might not remember. He used to be on a channel called Bravo on a Sunday. And he only did like one show a month or every <laughs> two months, even it might have been. And they'd show it on a Sunday, and it was just the highlights. Uh, this is before the Ultimate Fighter had started, I think. And I was going, this is that stuff, isn't it? This is that thing they're doing. This is, you know, I'm going to do this. So basically, I just said, open the door and blah, blah, blah. I said, can I have a go? And I was like, yeah, yeah, come in on Monday. And that was it. I just went in for one lesson and just got absolutely battered. And I was just going, I was like, wow, I love this shit. And that was it. I've, uh, I've literally never, ever stopped training since. God damn, man! I always love hearing what pe- people say about it because, like, I always love hearing different stories of people get into. And man, another thing is like, th- I always love this. Is like, uh, what did you struggle with most in your early days of training? Like, was there a certain technique, move, concept that wasn't sinking in for you initially? I was because I played rugby. I think as well. I was always, I was always quite good at sort of the wrestling part of it. Uh, picked that up quite well. Used to be able to hit double legs and stuff like that. Guard was the hardest thing for me. I used to struggle with guard. I always used to want to wrestle up, get on top, and pass the guard, squeeze people's heads off. I was good at, you know, I was pretty strong, good at grabbing people's heads, front head lock, you know, stuff like that. Really terrible stuff. But that, you know, against the other white belts, I could sort of get away with it. Um, but guard, guard was the hardest thing for me. And to be honest, I sort of got into it because I wanted to do MMA more as well. So it wasn't at the time as much, I think, to actually learn guard really, really well. Do you know what I mean? You know, you didn't, like these days, you 
the guys are phenomenal, you know, they're so well-rounded. But back then, if you could get on top and get inside someone's guard and punch them, pretty much won. You know, <laughs> if you could pass the guard, <laughs> get to mount and, and do an armbar, you won. It was that, people were that shit. Mm. Or, or just stall from mount for 10 minutes then everyone yeah happy. yeah all day it was just basically that was it yeah so Ugh. i didn't put enough, enough effort into playing guard um and then it because i was always quite good at the wrestling and stuff like that i could get around bjj people you know who were trained just by sort of wrestle fucking them really um and then when i got to like sort of i, I had a bit of an injury and i was at about six months from training properly this is around 2011, 2012, something like that. And then in sort of 2013, I said, right, I'm going to go and put the gi on because I got a blue belt in 2008 and then never wore the gi ever again. It's uh, <laughs> just, it's no gi. <laughs> like, I just never, ever, literally never put it on. Um, and so like five years later or something like that, I went back and said, I'm going to try and do the gi. I'd like to do see some gi. I quite enjoyed it. I'll have a little go for it. I wasn't doing MMA or anything anymore. Um, so I had a little go to gi, and then I was getting collar choke left, right, and centre. You know, I was just trying to pass guard and things like that. But after six months or so, I learned how to deal with that. Started to learn it, and then I started to think about. I need to start to play guard. And then I started actually getting quite into it now. Now, actually, you know, I quite like guard. I, I play clothes. I play butterfly. I play half guard uh, quite a bit. Never been a big spider guard lasso or anything like that. Even when you know when I when I did gi, it's not really my thing at all. But, um, but yeah, I decided I need to become well-rounded. But at the start, definitely. Yeah, that was, that was mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you, man. See, I used to fucking, I used to love gi. I used to be a lapel wizard and play lasso and spider guard the whole time, be, be a Hiva fucking maniac. And then all these months of uh, training under the QT, I've been doing no gi because, you know, why not? And now, when yeah. you know, if we do gi again, I'm like, Man, I fucking hate the gi. These fucking grips. I want to footlock someone. You know, people just keep grabbing me when I'm trying to footlock them. I'm like, for fuck's sake. I wish oh, I was. Oh, it's hard. It's hard work. Footlocks in the gi are hard work, aren't they? They get a decent grip under the belly. Mm. Unless, you're, unless you're Mikey Musa Messi, then they're just fucking simple. Like, you get one in 14 seconds at Black Belt Worlds. Like, it's nothing. It's unbelievable. He's so good. He's so slick. Yeah, man. And I love the way he's coming through now and doing some of these no-gi fights. You know, it was really impressive last time. He's on the road to ADCC card, isn't he, in a couple of weeks, which is just going to be phenomenal. Mm. It's going to be really interesting. He's 100%, I think, he's going to be there or thereabouts in ADCC finals next year, definitely. Yeah, okay. yeah there's, no re- there's no reason why he won't be in, in the... F- like I'd say... I'm making a call here. If Mikey doesn't get gold or silver at his in his division ADCC, I'm gonna be super fucking surprised. Like I'm like, what? No fucking way, you know? Because there's always, you know, there's always a, a room for like a, a surprise performance. Because remember last time, like Nick Rodriguez just killed all these guys in his division. Like what? What the fuck? So you know, it's gold That's and silver. Only, only I, I wouldn't be surprised. The only thing is the size thing, you know, or he gets someone who just can't. Because you can, you can do the wrestle thing. You know, there's there's Tankino in there. You know, between Cabrino and and their wrestling got so good in that 66 division, didn't it? That they were able to sort of wrestle for people a little bit on the feet and stall them out and then score a couple. That'd be the only way I could see him losing. But I think he's that intelligent that he'll find a way around it. You know, anyway, like the Meows used to do, they'd pretend to go for like a little shit single leg, do the thing, sit for three seconds, then sit into guard, wouldn't they? So they didn't get penalised for the guard pull, but they were in the position he wanted to be. So he'll come up with something. 
I think the guy's just super clever, super talented. Mm. It'll be amazing to watch him in it. Yeah, Mikey's a smart fella. He'll figure something out. Uh, guys, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Chris is actually one of the partners and the matchmakers of Grapple Fest, which is a really good competition, uh, especially like in the UK scene. And man, some of the matches in that fucking competition are goddamn are fucking amazing. So, Chris, like, how did you first get involved with Gra- Grapple Fest anyway? Well, thanks for that. Yeah, it's um, you know it, it's nice to get a, a bit of recognition on it because you know I do work my absolute balls off on the matchmaking and setting everything up. It's uh, so much work goes on behind the scenes. It's unbelievable. I didn't realize how difficult it was myself until we started getting into it. But um, yeah, the the whole thing was our sort of style of grappling at uh, my club at ASW. We were you know it was mainly an MMA sort of place that, that, that we came from. And the graph, and you just we just faced it to win. There was no sweeps, points, you know, worrying about things like that. It was just listen, we're just, I just want to, we're going to roll and we're going to try and submit each other. And that's it. If you don't submit each other, you haven't won the round. It's as simple as that. And it was getting bigger and bigger. I think more and more people were getting a little bit more pissed off at the IBGF and stalling, bumming, terrible. And unfortunately, I also think the fact that they were trying to do the no gi. IBJJF use the same rules as they do in the gi. I actually mm-hmm. think the rules in the IBJF and the gi are, are okay. You know what I mean? I think they were okay, but they were using the same rules in no gi. Obviously, they've changed now. They brought helix in. I think it's changed massively. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was just the same thing, and I was just like, "That doesn't work. It doesn't work." No gi and, and, and gi are completely separate sports for me. Wrestling and judo are separate sports. It didn't work. I didn't like the way it was, and we just thought, listen, let's just try and do something. Let, you know, let, let's see what we can do, see if we can put it together, put a rule set together where it's based on just people attacking each other. You know, we, we want to just go for it. Saying the rules meeting every time, I say, listen, man, if you come on and you stall out for 10 minutes and you get the win, you're probably not going to come back. If you go for it and you put on a match of the night and you lose in the ninth minute, I'll bring you back. I want to bring you back because, you know, you put on an exchange form. So mm. it's basically that's what we went for it. It's worked out so well, and it's, you know I'm really really pleased with the way things are. I just cannot wait to get back to it. Mm. Like you know, there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack there. Like especially what you said about uh, oh yeah, if you just stall for ten minutes, like you know, good for you then. See, that's there are plenty of competitors who just stall and like oh yeah, I won. I know I won by an advantage after stalling for ten minutes, and I got like uh, a bunch of stalling calls. But uh, who cares? But you know like. I don't want to be shallow, but it is entertainment as well. Like, you know, same with like UFC things. People don't want to see like a, just a boring fucking fight. People, it is entertainment. Like, or else no one will watch it. And it would just be like a closed event behind closed doors and just bragging rights, I, I guess. What, I think that's what the IBGF has become, hasn't it? I mean, who watches it apart from the competitors in there? No one really. And a few people who do jiu-jitsu, isn't it? Whereas these new sort of professional grappling shows are coming out. People are coming out to watch them. We have people there all the time who are wives, girlfriends, friends, and they call up and goes, Oh, I didn't really sort of know what was going on, but God, that was exciting. And that match, and they were chucking each other all over the place. And, you know, they're running all around the map. They were like, Oh, that was amazing. And I'm like, oh, that's, it's, it's so nice to hear someone say stuff like that. I don't think it's ever going to be like football or anything like that, where it's a huge mainstream sport because anyone can understand that because there's so much going on, isn't there? It's easy to kick a ball between, you know, two sticks, isn't it? You know, it's pretty, pretty simple. Um, but it's basic, I think, if we can get more and more people into it and they can bring more and more sponsors into it, more more money into it, you know, uh, I think basically we, it can grow. It can mm. grow, definitely. Mm. 
I know. I know plenty of people who watch, who like they don't train to watch the UFC, or they, there's plenty of people nowadays who watch like in particular Submission Underground because like uh, they're a bit more like um, I'll give them one one thing Submission Underground. It's a bit more uh, what's it called spectator friendly because they have the short five minute matches. So you don't see like a ten minute stalling match. Like okay, you could be, get bored from a five minute stalling match. And then the EBI overtime. Like, say what you want about that. I think it's entertaining watching people just go go mate, go go ape shit on it. But I you know that's that's just me. Yeah, I personally hate EBI overtime. Absolutely, absolutely hate it. Um, but just the simple fact of the way it got manipulated when it first came out, I actually quite liked it. It's just a simple fact of the way it got manipulated at the end that people stole and then all they done was basically train for that. You know, to train for the back. Or train for that spider web position, and they've got it. Um, mm. Got to give the Dan and Despot guys; they didn't go, they went for it. But I think a lot of a lot of us, you know, the other competitors, it was basically stalling for that. And then you started seeing all the all the people bringing it in, and they started doing it. And I was thinking, it's not for me. So we we went down the rest decision route. Um, our first criteria is genuine submission attempts, genuine attacks, people who are attacking stuff like that so you've got you have to have like a fully locked in triangle that means you're ahead then we have a lower level of second tier criteria which is positional dominance i.e passing the guard taking back blah 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 so you've got the best of both worlds but the rest are going to score submission attempts first so the whole thing is on people to try and submit each other do you know what i mean i'd rather have that than i've also been in submission only events myself um where if no one gets anything it's a draw which I think is also unfair because I've had matches where I've absolutely killed someone, curled up in a ball, couldn't do anything, you know, just couldn't quite finish him. I blame myself because I couldn't get the finish. But I'm like, how was that a draw? Do you know what I mean? It was, mm. <laughs> I was absolutely all over the guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, dude, one of the things that really annoys me, like, especially like to get back to the UFC fans, like, say, okay, uh, they have like ground, they have like stand up calls, like, say, there's, there's no action on the ground. Like, say, someone just says, your man pinned in bottom side control for like three minutes. I'm like, well, that's his fault. He can't. He can't escape the pin. If you're in, if you're in a fucking fight and you can't get someone off you, whose fault is that? I've said it for years, and I've said it for ages as well. And I've even had arguments with it. I've even, you know, I had a laugh with people, with mates like Mark Goddard, people that I've known for years, had a chat, and I've said, mate, when they're, when they're having those shit kickboxing fights and they're circling each other for four minutes in the cage, just lie them the foot down, will you? Instead of standing them up, you lie them down because that is absolute bullshit. I don't want to watch two people circle that. So lay him on the floor, will you, and do that again? And he's laughing his head off. You know what I mean? But I'm like, it's terrible, isn't it? But mate, that's what they want to see. They want to see kickboxing fighting, four rounds gloves. And I'm like, you can go, so you can go and watch a, a white collar boxing event anywhere. You know, normally, well, not at the moment, but you know, normally every Saturday you can go and watch a white collar boxing event anywhere, can't you? That's what you want to see. I want to see. Perfectly, and it's been said a couple of times just recently, but we literally have been saying this for years. I don't think there should be any rounds. I think it should be either 10 minutes or 15 minutes and just start, and that's it. And let's see who comes out on top. The referee mm. should only intervene to stop the fight. That's it. Mm. Now, that's good, man. Oh, uh, here's a little tidbit, Chris. I just remember this now. Here's why, like, I, I'm fucking missing Grapple Fest now because... If it wasn't for Grapple Fest, I wouldn't really uh, know who the Ruotola brothers are because it's only because like I knew people that were fighting on that card and I decided to watch it and I was like, Ruotola brothers, who the, who the fuck are these guys? Oh, they're a bunch of 16-year-old blue belts, ah, whatever. And then they do fucking amazing against these really, really good guys. I'm like, 
who the fuck are these kids? They're fucking good. Like <laughs> amazing, amazing. I mean, I've had my items obviously for years to even come through, but they were just getting to the right age. You know, I think we got them first of all when they were seventeen. Um, you know, like that. And they came over with a mum. You know what I mean, Nicole? She's like real cool, real cool lady. Came over with a mum. You know, sort of chaperoned them over. Managed to get them some good matches. Came, you know, came on. And, um, and, and Pete, you know, I think we took a bit of a gamble. No one else had touched them, really. Anyone else haven't I just said, let us pop you, let Kingston over some new blood. We've got them on. Put on two of the best matches, amazing matches. Everyone's gone crazy about them, so we're bringing them back. So I'm talking to them at the moment. I was actually speaking to them yesterday, hoping to get them back over on Eve. We've got shows booked for October the 2nd and November the 20th. They're definitely going on one of those shows. We're not sure which one yet, trying to work around their diaries. Um, but yeah, they're, they're coming back over because obviously Cade's our, our uh, belt holder now at under 70. Uh, Ty's got a little bit bigger now, so I think he's going to be sort of competing under 80 division um, there. But there's loads of matches, so many good matches. There's, I've got a million matches in my head and I've spoke to a million people over lockdown. I just basically need the government to lift all this bullshit. Mm. They'll say, okay, you, you can fly people in, you can have an event, you can have a trial. I do like people are fucking scrambling to be wanting to fucking do do these things because you know you have a few competitions here in Ireland there's a few whispers that oh we'll do outdoor events I'm like man have you seen Ireland it fucking pisses rain every two seconds I'm like an outdoor event here would be fucking shit <laughs> if you imagine trying to you know just think it out it'd be like oh my you could you could organize it in the middle of August couldn't you guarantee you'd piss it down <laughs> yeah. yeah you'd want a good fucking like tent or fucking thing like that i'm like well then we're just inside if there's a fucking roof and like shitty walls around it that's inside why can't we just do it inside then <laughs> madness, madness. i mean they've been doing comps here in spain now for like God, coming up for nine months i think or something like that they were having sort of the pcr test you know, they were doing the one with stick up your nose Things like that. Just, you know, it's a load of bollocks, but at least they were putting comps on. We had ADCC Spain, and you know, a couple of months ago, um, you know, there's things going on. There's been a couple of MMA MMA shows on. There, there are, you know, they have been some have been outdoors, some have been in. It's X amount of people in there, but they're actually doing them and trying them. Whereas the UK has just, you know, gone completely the other way, shut everything down, made things an absolute nightmare. You know, Ireland's are sort of the same. You know, you've had it even tougher, you guys, haven't you? That's yeah, dude. Ireland is easily the worst fucking country to be in in Europe at the moment. Like, oh, it's, it's we, fucking we've had terrible. so many Irish guys over here training with us. We've just had loads of them, you know, up until basically last week. A few people have gone back. Tom Alton's been with us for about six months, you know. Fionn was over here. Darrow's over here. You know, we've had loads of East Coast guys coming over just so they could get out of there and just train, basically, you know. They were just saying, I remember speaking to Darrow and they were putting it back one month and it's another month and you know putting him back and just like you know i just felt mm. so sorry for him it's just ridiculous oh no like like lit- literally they'd be hyping it up for like a fucking uh, at least two months like oh yeah here's the plan here's the outline july 5th and then it's like uh june ter- 29th literally like a week off of when we can train again oh no yeah july 19th uh go fuck yourselves yeah whatever Literally, I'm like, go fuck yourselves, cheeky cunts. <laughs> Are you July 19th as well, then? 
Yeah, totally. We yeah, it's a real shame that none of us have been able to train since until July nineteenth. Yeah, you know, it sucks. Because <laughs> <laughs> over over here, like we got like a mad lockdown for like three months where you couldn't leave your house. It was crazy. There was this garage all over the street. The only place you could go was a supermarket or the, or, the, or the pharmacy. That was it. You couldn't go out your house. And I was like, what the fuck is this? This is pharmacy. But then they let us out, and then we got out. And then next thing you know, by August last year, we were training. We had to be in the Federation. You got a tenth of the check, all this sort of bullshit. But we've never stopped training. I'm close contact every single day, training with everyone. No one's had COVID. We've had a couple of people. We've had a couple of sniffles here and there. And everyone's just said, stay away from the gym for two weeks. Fine, no worries. No one's been ill. No one's had this. And we've trained all the way through. It's never, it's never stopped. The gym hasn't closed. Everything, you know, everyone in there is healthy and fit. And, you know, and it's totally legal to train as long as you're in the Federation. And I'm pretty sure if they'd have put all that in place in, in the UK and Ireland, then people would have, would have stuck to the rules, wouldn't they? Because they would have said, well, yeah, I'm going to have to stick to the rules because I want to train. So, mm. you know, I think it's got worse and worse, the fact that you're denying people the chance of actually sort of staying fit. Yeah. yeah, like they say it's a fucking health crisis, yet they're not providing people facilities to stay healthy. And like they say, oh, yeah, guys, mind you, midwinter, do you know what they said? We're like, oh, well, gyms are closed. How are we supposed to stay healthy? Go for a run in pissing <laughs> rain and fucking snow and cold. Go for yeah, a run. Yeah. I'm like, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> it's just uh, the whole thing is just crazy, isn't it? But it, it's highlighted how bad the health is, though, isn't it? No, uh, and, and meanwhile they haven't done anything to fix it and they're still complaining that they're on their knees I'm like you guys haven't done anything to fix it and you're complaining about how bad it is fuck you you, you saw the football last night the whole place is packed the whole stadium is packed no one's got any masks on everyone's yeah. bouncing around the whole of the country's you know, on the piss and knocking around in pubs and everything like that and it's either going to go one or two ways it's going to be like oh yeah Sam, we're all open now or in about a week to ten days time we're going to go oh yeah mass COVID explosion that's it you know mm. lockdown it's gonna go one of two ways isn't it it's just, it's oh, just see, my favorite thing about this whole thing like with the government they're all like oh yeah when cases are good like say cases are low there's a downtrend a major downtrend like oh we shouldn't we don't we're not talking about cases at the moment we're not using that as a metric to make our decisions okay fine whatever but when cases are high suddenly that's when they use it as a I metric to make decisions that's like saying oh yeah footlocks don't work when you're the one getting footlocked but then when you're doing the footlock and you're like yeah footlocks are fucking amazing they're awesome they work all the time like man stop being it's hypocrite pretty much, pretty much yeah it, it, and that's i think that's the biggest problem with it. it it hasn't been anything crystal clear as there were everyone's been able to go okay it's this this and this the information's just been sketchy the figures are all over the place using one set of data for one thing you know another set of data for another thing and, and it's just you know there's been no common sense to any of it but i think it's getting to the point now where they're basically the government's can't really afford, even though they've all made a shit ton of money i'm sure they have on backhanders and contracts and all this but it's got to the point now where people back at work they need the taxes coming back into the country you need people you know i think you need need people back at work and i think it's going to be a hope that it'll start it'll start again i can't see any more major lockdowns anymore. Mm. especially when you you've got places like the uk about a, a 80 odd percent vaccination that's way overheard in me mm. yeah, yeah. Works, 
you know, like all the fucking sick and old old people are vaccinated. So like, what's the problem? Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not getting vaccinated. Screw that. I'm like, let the sick and old people do it because they're the ones who are in danger. Go crazy. Yeah. Everyone's happy. And if you ask, they're worried and then, you know, stay indoors for another six months until, you know, it plays out. But everyone else has got to get on with their lives now. It's, it's kind of, <laughs> Uh, like I swear I'll shut up about the Rona stuff in a minute but I saw a guy at a beach with a fucking mask on and he was in the ocean with a mask on I'm like dude if you were so fucking concerned about the Rona why don't you just stay home man you know like if you're so concerned and paranoid don't leave your house people like, yeah, they had them get it for ages the one thing they have had in Spain is they've had the mask that's what the mask all the time where they're out. they've got rid of them now in public you can walk around in public without them but Last year, through the summer, everything is 40 degrees. There's people wearing masks and stuff like that when you're walking around. And so on. This is madness. It's absolute. And you can then go and literally sit in a restaurant two foot away from those people walking past you, take your mask off, sit down, have a beer, have a meal, do all this. And I'm just like, this just makes no sense. It's absolutely zero sense whatsoever. <laughs> oh, the funniest thing about this whole thing is Australia had a really draconian lockdown for a while. And then, then they were completely open for like a month and they were so fucking, all these Australians were so fucking cocky and arrogant. Like, yeah, we did our part. We fucking took, we just took it on the chin and now we're completely open. If only you guys did what we did. Now they're all locked down again. I'm like, oh, not feeling, not feeling so fucking full of yourselves now, huh? And that's so weird because the size of that country and there's like, I think it's got the population of fucking you know, Manchester or something like that, hasn't it? It's like, you know, there's only about 27, 30 million people live there or something crazy, isn't there? And, and, and the How is uh, that happening? It's mad, man. Uh, so, Chris, like, to get back to non-Rona-related things, man, is there anything in the, like, whether it be in the jiu-jitsu community, grappling, like, uh, or MMA community or whatever, that you don't like and you change if you could? Like, if you see, like, posts about it on social media or if you see it in Facebook groups, it just drives you insane? Like, uh, what's your major pet peeve? I mean, it's changed so much. It's changed so much. When I first started, it basically was you just get the shit kicked out of you uh, for a good few weeks and it was it like are you going to come back and is he going to come back and I quite like that but then I can see that there was probably is quite a few people who could have been pretty good who wouldn't have liked it um, now I'm not saying that's a right or wrong thing or anything what I have noticed creep me more and more and more and this just isn't in UK so I think it's in sort of the, you know, society in general is all the political, politically correct stuff and a lot of people come these flow rollers and it's got to be like this and you've got to train like this and there's no sparring and there's this and that. I'm like, at the end of the day, listen, it's supposed to be a tough contact, rough sport. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to spar. If you're injured, fine, flow roll, drill, absolutely fine. I get it. Totally different. If you're fit, healthy, and if you train with me, you're not sitting on the sidelines, you're not sitting there talking about the latest, you know, Baron Bolo move. You're getting stuck in. And I think a lot of that has changed. You know, you see stuff like the BJD underground. stuff in there. And that. Now it's like, literally, you can't write a comment anymore because just people are jumping on each other's backs. And I just think, I just think society sort of changed like that in a while. It, it, it's sort of like, so I try to bring that big bit of humour back, you know, especially the Grapple Fest shows and made it a bit rough ready. We always said we wanted it to be like the darts, not the snooker. We wanted people to have a pint and make it noisy and 
you know, make sort of make bringing it back a little bit what it was. That does wind me up a little bit. It's uh, but then, but then to be honest, I probably wind up a little bit. Mm. Shit. <laughs> I mean, one thing that like there's a few things I've been looking at recently that have just tr- driving me fucking up the wall. It's driving me crazy right now. Celebrity belts. I'm like all these fucking people, these celebrities who fucking train and get fucking you know get belts. I'm like, I've never. Like, when should put up a video of them rolling if they're so good, you know? And or it could be a case of Ashton Kutcher where they put up this video of him rolling and he's garbage. I know he's rolling with Craig Jones, but like. Was that one of him knocking around with Craig? Craig was just messing around, wasn't he? Mm. Like, Jesus no, but man, even if, even if someone isn't trying, you can still like do good jujitsu. Like they'll just counter it. Like you know, Ashton looked like a fucking four stripe white belt in that video. Blue belt at best. Like you know, and then I think he looked, looks like a whole American thing, isn't it? You know, like that, that's just what I think that's the way they are, isn't it? And that's the culture. That culture just crept into the into the UK and into Europe, hasn't it? I think it's, you know, creeping in more and more and more. And, you know, there's some of the Western world now, it, it's taken a real bad kick and it's in, a, it's in a bad way. I think over little things like this, you know, it's, it's just, it goes back to participation trophies, doesn't it? And, you know, school sports days, shit like that, you know. We were told to win. We were told to win every game, you know what I mean? We were supposed to, supposed to do this. And if you did shit, you got told. You got told by your parents you were shit. You got told by your PE teacher you were shit, you know. But you can't say anything to kids anymore. So yeah, I will. I will personally. I'm like, you know, the, it's sport. There's winners and losers. There is in life as well. You can't all go through that. I'm not saying. Listen, if you're down on your luck and it's hard times and stuff like that, I'm pretty sure your teammates will put their arm around you and help you. But I'm not going to go up to someone who's had a real nightmare and a shit day and they fucked up and made a load of stuff and then just start saying to them, "Oh, don't worry, mate. Better luck next time. You'll be this and that." I start laughing and our group chats are brutal. I'll just say, you Now tell them. And I think people appreciate it sometimes, you know, and you know, say, right, you know, but we'll sort it out. But I'll always sort it out for them. We'll leave them out in the cold, but I'll tell them as well that, you know, you were dog shit. Come on, let's sort it out. That's my. One thing recently that really irks me, it really pissed me off, is like, um, You'd have uh, women who start training, right? Like, don't worry, this isn't like some sort of sexist rant. They say they want to train for self-defense, right? Okay, fair enough, fine. But then they're like, oh, do you have a women's only class? I'm like, well, is there an epidemic of women attacking other women on the street now? Like, you know, it, they're... It, you know. It, it, it's crazy as well, that one, because I, I think... I think there's enough training partners in, 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 in you know, in the gym. I don't think that is. Well, I think she's done the odd women's open man. She's a brown belt. I've watched her give, you know, fellas help all the time. And she came just straight up through it all. So, you know, she's done it. She's been taught by me. You know, she's she's come all the way through. She'll never won't. She's, she says that. And she actually says to me sometimes, I don't want to do rounds with the girls sometimes because they just want to, you know, they want to, like, slow it down, do flow. Low. And she, sometimes she says, I just want to train. I want to train hard. But then she's got some other women, you know, who she, who she trains with, who are like her. And they say, God, come off those rounds. And I come off and I'm so tired. It's so hard because the one time I can go 100%. So I do see both sides of it for them. And I see obviously there's a huge discrepancy in strength. It doesn't matter. You get a, you get a, a 75p fellow who's in shape and a 75p woman who's in shape. There is a strength and, 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 and disparity. There is. And, you know, and it's just, that's just simple genetics. And, no matter anyone wants to say to you about all this, you know, 
the transgender stuff. I don't know enough about it scientifically or anything like that. I just know that men are stronger than women. Mm. And that's proven in, in anything, do you know what I mean? You can look at any sporting context in the world. Is. Mm. Um, but then I think that people should be responsible enough and should be taught well enough to be able to roll. Men and women should be able to roll together competitively and have good roles. I don't really think why they should be separated too much. But I get in competition. Competition is a different matter, isn't it? You're going 100%. You are trying to hurt each other, you know, not actually physically trying to, yeah, I'm not trying to snap your arm on purpose, but I am trying to finish you. Um, so, you know, but I think there's enough, there's enough, there's enough people in a club, or well, there should be enough, and enough people who can train well enough. You shouldn't need that. I don't think there's any need for separate classes too much, but I'm not a woman, you know, I might be different for them. The lot of them probably can get held a lot differently than me. Um, so I, it's a hard question to answer, isn't it? Mm. Or man, uh, I swear to God, I'll shut up about what I what I hate about jujitsu because you know you wouldn't know I actually like jujitsu. But like, uh, one thing, like this is the last thing I'll say, then I'll shut up about it for a bit. Is I think jujitsu people are too fucking chill. They're too like, oh, you know, flowy and chill and slow and stuff. I'm like, then like you, if you, not even if you're, it's not like you're spazzing. Like, say we just like past our guard and show on a whole bunch of moves quick, like to past our guard and get on top of them. They'll give you dirty looks and call you a spaz. I'm like, I didn't spaz past your guard. I fucking passed it quickly. Shut up, you. Yeah, it's one of the worst things. Is that, and going back to that, you know, to that thing, you know, you, you should be, if you've got someone, they're passing your guard. And, you know, and especially I think some of the higher bells can get pissed off about it and things like that. I'm like, that's up to you. You deal with that shit. You yeah, work, work, that. work on your guard retention then, buddy. <laughs> work on that. Don't let him pass it in the first place. We've all had it done to us, you know, I've had it bang, fist bump like that, blue belt just bangs, knee slid me without, you know, when I was half, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, we'll be there, and, thing, and they're inside control. And I started laughing and going, okay, here we go, best deal with that shit, isn't it? you know what I mean? And, and, and you know, get on with it. So it's, I think, let's let's face it, the biggest line you get to is, you know, there's no ego, and you leave your ego at the door, absolute bullshit, it's full of ego. People spit the dummies out all the time. No, like, I like, do. I, I feel like fucking shit when I do bad at training. I fucking, I go ape shit. Like, uh, not on shit. everyone else, about myself. Like, I'm like, man, you fucking Should really. Stu- you know I mean, you know, because you care. I've, I've had loads of nights when I've gone home. You know, it's not so much as bad now, but especially coming through the ranks. I just sat at home and gone, oh my god, that lad, you know, tapping three times around. Cast me guard, took me back, choked me out. It's like, geez, what, what happens? You know, when you're lying there and you're thinking about it all night, and you should do because otherwise it means you don't give a shit. Like you said, if you don't care about something, then how are you going to get good at it? You know, it's like anything in life, isn't it? If you don't care, you're never going to get good at anything. So you should care, you should give a shit. If you don't, it's just a hobby and you just want to turn up every couple of couple of weeks and a couple of this. That's great. You're never going to get any good. You know what I mean? But if you do give a shit and you want to train out, then, you know, you should care, yeah, it should have, should have when something goes back to you. Mm. Oh, man, it should keep you up at night if you got your fucking, what, if you got your guard passed by white belt, it should keep you up at night sometimes. Huh? <laughs> oh, we've all, if you, if you haven't, if you haven't got to black belt and you haven't had those nights, yeah, then you're telling lies because we've all had them because I've had them mm. and I'll tell you the truth that I've had them. So if mm. you've not had those, if you say you got all the way to black belt and that never happens to you, you're telling lies. Mm. And dude, even Gordon Ryan has said, like, like he gets his ass whooped in the gym sometimes. You know, he gets fucking submitted the whole time in the gym, and shit happens. And when he's, you know, if he can say that, why can't some of these other people just say, "Oh yeah, I've really, I have really shit nights sometimes." Yeah, but Gary Tone stories, you know what I'm saying? No crazy stories. Gary will just put himself in 
fully locked in triangles and with people who he doesn't know, not with his just his training partners, just to see if he can get out of it. You know, and then there's probably these people going home, isn't there? Going, yeah, I tapped Gary Tone, got him in a triangle. You know, he's pretty much probably put himself into a triangle, but then just to see how deep he could go in that triangle. But I don't think he's going home crying about it because, you know, he's put himself there. But then I'm sure he's had days where Gordon, Craig, and people like that have absolutely tapped the shit out of him. And then he probably has gone home, oh, what happened today? I got murdered, you know. <laughs> These are the best guys in the world. I'm, I'm not having the, the best, like, if you're the best guy in the room and you're never getting tapped out, you're in the wrong room. Mm. There's, there's literally only a handful of people in the world who can say that. Mm. Now, literally, if you're just the best guy in the room, if you're literally the best guy in the room, you're in the wrong room in general. Like, just, you know, if you're, if you, if you can't lose, you're gonna like you know you might fucking get a uh, complacent like oh yeah I got the best fucking uh, knee slice in the fucking in the world like no you got the best knee slice in the gym and you don't know if it's actually any good against anyone who's at, any different. Imagine imagine being in that room they've got when there's Craig Gordon Gary Tone and Nicky Rob Nicky Ryan you know Ethan Cronstein all those they must be killing each other on a daily basis. People must every one of them must be getting tapped on a daily basis. If those guys can do it, that's great. You know what I mean? I mean, the only other guy I could sort of think of who might be getting away with someone like Roger Gracie, who's over here, who, his academy's great, it's huge and everything, but he's so probably so far ahead that he can probably deal with a lot of people. But he's not competing, is he, you know, anymore. He's just probably taking it easy. He's probably really enjoying his jiu-jitsu and sort of taking it nice and easy. But it was a fantastic thing if you look back at that, that he actually managed to win a lot of his world titles when he lived in London. And had a load of guys who were blues and purples and browns to train with. I thought that was pretty phenomenal that he managed to do that, to be quite honest. Um, but if you look if you look at the big teams now, Atos, DDS, and things like that, the levels in those rooms must be insane. And I'm, I, I'm not having, those guys that aren't black belts, if, if they aren't getting tapped out two, three, four, or five times a day, then, you know, I, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. Mm. So you can't win if, some, if, if a blue belt catches you and taps you out. You can't win about it because those guys get tapped out. Mm. No, dude, exactly. Like, you know, fucking, you get tapped in trainings, so you don't get tapped in fucking competition. It's pretty simple. Supposed to be the one, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, you know, you think that's how it is. You know, it's just training. So, like, you know, if you get tapped out, it's not really a big deal. Like, obviously, care and make adjustments, not be like, oh, yeah, I'm grand getting submitted by fucking a blue belt if I'm a black belt 15 times in the round. Like, you shouldn't be happy with that. But you should make adjustments and be and you know care about it, but like don't be, don't. It's like a catchway too. It's fucking. It's weird. <laughs> awesome man. Oh, ah, see. So Chris, like, um, I have a few questions here geared towards coaches. So like, in your opinion, like, what for for you, like, what's the first thing you teach a brand new person? Like, say, first day at the gym, what's the first thing you're teaching new new beginners group? I start off every single lesson. I don't do warm ups. Don't do running around the room. Don't do shrimping. I don't do anything. Every class I teach starts with a takedown. Every single one. That's how we warm up. We start really slowly. We start there. We, we do front headlock. We do body lock ones. We do trips. We do throws. We do things like that. We start off. It's always putting the fight to the floor because that's what jiu-jitsu is supposed to be. about this control. I don't do any self-defense. I don't teach anything like that. I teach sport jiu-jitsu, sport grappling. All my classes start off standing on the feet when you spar in any of my sessions, you start on the feet. You don't start on the floor. We don't start on knees. You start on the feet. It always starts like that. 
I want you to put the other person on their back where you're in the you know advantageous position. I want you to learn to pass the guard. I want you to learn to hold side control, mount, take the back. That's what I'm looking to teach people at the very, very start. Mm. Now, that's a good one, man, because we've all heard a million stories of jiu-jitsu guys. Like, literally, John Danher is all like, yeah, like, you can win a jiu-jitsu world champion without knowing a single fucking takedown. I'm like, that's fucking stupid. You should know a fucking takedown, man. It's not, it's not for me, you know. And most people, most clubs I've ever been to teach the guard from the start. That's the first thing. Close guard, because it's what differentiates jiu-jitsu from sort of most other grappling arts. Teach the guard, armbar, triangle, and we'll platter. They drill that into you at the start. Great, I do teach that. Don't get me wrong, I do teach that as well. But my classes all start from beginners. You know, I don't really teach beginners these days. It's pretty much, you know, sort of more advanced classes. But even when I do, did teach them, I always started. And like I said, it's not a complicated thing for me to teach you how to do a single leg takedown. Put somebody on the floor. So that's half guard. That's an underhook. This is how you're going to pass this half guard. This is how you're going to slice through that guard and you're going to go into mount. You're either going to make him turn from side control and take the back. You're going to choke them out or, you know, get on top, get on mount. That's a lot easier to me than to start teaching you complicated arm bars, triangles and over platters and a lot more effective. So I'm not claiming I'm the best coach in the world. I'm not trying to say anything like that. But in my eyes, that's how I, that's how I teach and that's how I start teaching. Now that's good, man. And for anyone bitch moaning, complaining, like, uh, my knees are too bad to be shooting or sprawling or bloody bloody blue. I'm like, literally, all you could do is just you could do what I do because my knees are fucking shit. I'm 22 years old and I have shitty knees. I do fucking arm drags and fucking snap downs. Just do that. Just I've do got, do I've anything. Had, I've had knee operations, mate. Nearly. You don't really ever see me shooting double legs and stuff. I used to have a great blast double. Don't really do it. Most of mine are underhooks, overhooks looking for this, turning them, circling around, looking to get front headlock, looking to snap them down, looking to turn them over, looking for inside trips. A lot of mine are upper body takedowns these days because they haven't got the, you know, I'm 47 now as well. I haven't got the speed to blast double. I'll hit you with a single leg if you give it me. I can hit you with a low single if you give it me, but I ain't blast doubling people through, through the mats anymore. But when I say takedowns, it doesn't have to be people think takedowns and they always think of a double leg. There's so many. There's a million takedowns that you can get good at. So if I can just keep teaching them all the time, you're going to find one that will suit you. You know, if it's just a, you know any sort of throw, any any sort of hip toss, anything like that. Something will suit you. You'll like it. You'll get good at it. And you'll put that person in a position where you want them to be as well when you land. So that's for me is number one. Mm. Or like for anyone who's still being stubborn, like, okay, for the longest time for me, I wasn't hitting a single takedown. Like, I would never instigate takedowns. But what I would do, I'd have counter-wrestling. So if someone shot a double, good sprawl, and put him in a front headlock, everyone's happy. Or if someone grabbed a single, get the fucking guillotine, or grab the Kimura grip and roll them over you. If you don't... Oh, go behind. You know. go behind is one of my favourite things now. I let the youngsters shoot on me, sprawl, go behind, turtle, turn them over, try and take the back. I do it to a load of people simply because, you know, using experience on them and stuff. And I teach that all the time as well, how to counter it, you know. And, and like you say, you don't have to be blasting people through the mats with double legs and big, powerful, explosive things, but you need to be able to control someone, put them on the floor. It's supposed to be ground fighting, you know. I don't, double butt scooting's great, you know. You know, I've, I've dropped down, sat to put things myself. 
you'll never see me drop down and, and just put the clothes guard, but you see me drop and then I'll try and butterfly sweep someone straight away or try and go for your legs straight away, do things like that. But as long as you're doing something in some way, trying to control in the person as well, and it has to be controlled, not just two people sitting on their ass and scooting towards each other. I don't want to see that. Mm. Nah. So like, so Chris, like, um, in like, say it's like just a typical class in your day. So like, what would you prioritize? Would it be drilling, rolling, or positional sparring? Like, which of them would be like you'd put the most amount of time into on any given day? It's a bit of it's a bit of everything. Um, I always do like basically it's forty five minutes drilling, forty five minutes sparring. The sparring, what you've got to realize is that ninety percent of people that come to your classes. Uh, hobbyists who want to come and enjoy themselves, get stuck in, have a you know, have a have a, have a good uh, have a good workout, learn something. But they, the majority of people, want to do five minute rounds. Yep, they want to do five, six, five minute rounds, minute rest in between to do them. So you've got to enjoy that. But then I'm a big fan of for competition stuff, especially like you would do open mats competition days. At the start of like some man, we do 21 minute rounds. 10 minutes with one person sort of attacking, going round, and then 10 minutes where they're defended. You might be in half guard, mount, back, you know, you're trying to finish, whichever, defend. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that for competition people and for warming up and stuff. But if I'm just if I'm just teaching my normal, you know, I teach Monday to Monday to Friday, sort of 10 a.m., the majority of the time it would be like, right, the class is an hour and a half, it's 45 minutes, then it's like, okay, let's roll, start with your partner, let's go. Less than six, seven, eight rounds, whatever. And the majority of people want to do that. And you have to cater for that as well. The, the amount of competitors or serious competitors in Jiu Jitsu is 10, 20%, something like that, do you reckon? Mm. Um, you know, maybe it's changing a little bit more now. Maybe, maybe you know, I know it's in the UK, more and more people competing, maybe 50 50. But the majority of people want to come in, learn some shit, have a good time, have a good laugh with the mates, and get a little stuck in and have a load of rolls at the end. You know what I mean? I think when you get more serious, I think doing the positional rounds and things like that, that becomes a lot more in effect. There's a load of black belts in the room. I think doing a lot of positional rounds, two, three-minute rounds on the back, stuff like that, I think that can become a lot of important. I think you read about Danner. I remember listening to a podcast. He says they do loads of that, or it might have been Gordon Ryan going on about it. I get that at that level. I get that. But your majority of people in a club, they want to come in and learn and spar and enjoy themselves. And, I want people to come out of my classes, A, having learned the technique, so the fact that they actually, you know, have picked up on that technique and they understand it. I hate seeing people going away and I'm thinking, he just didn't get that, he did not get it, you know, or she didn't get it, they, they couldn't understand that technique. It, it, that actually keep, that keeps me awake sometimes at night, thinking I need to run through that with that person again because they didn't get it. But then I also want to see him come out and get some good rounds in and enjoy themselves and, you know, and have a good time and spar. And let's face it, spar is the best part. Mm. So the majority of classes, I'd say 90% of my stuff will be sparring like that. Um, comp classes can be a little bit different where we'll, we'll walk up and just get rolls. We used to do one on a big Saturday when I had my gym in the UK. And we do 20 minutes at the start, like I said, 10 minutes attacking, 10 minutes defending. And then we do 10, 10, Five minute rounds, do you know what I mean? Uh, mm. Mixing it up like that, I think, I think that's the key. 
No, that's good, man. See, so so Chris, like, uh, do you have any advice for future uh, co- pe- people who want to become coaches in the future, or like people who like uh, want to be like run a gym? Like, do you have any advice for them? Like, sort of pitfalls to avoid, mistakes that you made that you, uh, they should look out for. Man, the weirdest thing ever because I never would set out to be a coach. Uh, it basically just got to around 2011, I think it was something like that. I've been training about five years, something like that. And it was getting to be a little bit bigger, things in the local gym. People were just asking me and stuff. And basically what I did was set up a couple of sessions, like two or three a week, uh, as well in the morning time. Um, and just sort of said, all right, we'll just turn up, chuck us a fiver in, you know, there'd be like, you know, four, five, ten people turn up. So just chuck us a fiver in. I'll teach you a load of shit for an hour and then we'll get some rolls in. And it was basically so I could train. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was nothing about me trying to be a coach or anything like that. I was just, it was just so I could get a load of rounds in and get some extra training. And then I just sort of snowballed from there and people liked training with me and I just got a little bit better and I learned about it and actually started to quite enjoy it. And then a couple of places I was training, asking to start teaching classes. And I just sort of fell into it really. Um, and then when I did decide to set a gym up at the time, it was probably one of the hardest things I'd done because I'd gone from just being able to teach some classes, disappear and go home, have nothing else to do, to suddenly you're running your gym, you've got two or three sessions to put on every single day, you're knackered all the time, you're cleaning the mats all the time. And I had a bit of a nightmare for about a couple of years where I was just basically just got injured all the time because I kept thinking... Oh, I feel a bit better now, I feel a bit warm. I'll jump in, I'll teach a class. Oh, I won't spar tonight. Then I was warm, I'd jump in, do five, six rounds. Then the next morning I couldn't walk. I'll be trying to do 10 rounds in the morning. So I end up getting injured. So now I've stepped right back from that, sold the gym. And now I'll just do exactly sort of what I did. Uh, I, I train once a day, five days a week, an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. I lift weights twice a week. And that's me. It's dead easy. I just coach, train, go home. You need to be into it, I think, pretty early. You need to learn pretty early. And you need to have your gym set up before you're 30 years old. Because otherwise, you're going to start running into injuries or you'll just become that fat black belt in the corner that's just looked a mess. <laughs> and people are like, well, you know, <laughs> do I really want to learn off that fat guy in the corner you know, with the guy with his belly poking out and the hair's all over the place? And just like... So mistake-wise, you know, Get into it early, and the kids these days coming through are phenomenal. You know, I mean, some of these kids actually come through now. I'm just like, wow, I'm just going to be amazing. Um, mm. But if they want to do it and they want to coach, start doing it early. Start taking the kids' classes. Start taking, which is some of the hardest ones to do. Start doing the beginners' classes. Start helping out. Because trust me, the black belts of UCL teach the beginners' class. They'll be made up because it's the hardest class in the world to teach the beginners' classes. They'll be made up, start doing it, start having a go, start seeing. Because some people think they want to be a coach, but they don't actually enjoy it because it's quite it's difficult. Um, I find it easy these days with the teacher advanced classes. So pretty much it's not like I have to run step by step of how to teach an armbar. It's just like, yeah, we get to this position and we get the armbar. You know, it's pretty easy to do. Um, but yeah, do, get in there early, learn early. And if you want to open up a gym, get it done before you're 30 years old because otherwise, your body's going to start falling apart and it's going to No, that's a good man. See, so, so Chris, like, I always love this question because it always throws people for a loop. Like, uh, what would you say was the most important value you instilled in your gym environment? Mine. 
we just used to have a sign on it that just said no dickheads allowed. No, that's oh, good, yeah. man. No, dude, no, that's good. Yeah. Get it, get that out in the air. Clearly establish it. Like, yeah, yeah if you're a dickhead, yeah, uh, you know. He used to have it. He used to point it before he used to start sparring. So then you're getting stuck in anything that. There's a sign on the wall. No dickheads allowed. That was the one I used to say. People used to laugh all the time. Used to get visitors and say, we've got one rule in this club. That's it. You act like a dickhead. You're off the mat. And I was pretty, you know, I could, I could enforce it when I wanted to. It just, it's basically just, you know, be good to each other, you know, be, you know, get stuck in, train hard, you know, crack on. And I used to say, if you're injured, you're injured, make sure you tell people, or anyone being a hero or anything like that, but it's basically just don't be a dickhead. That's yeah. life, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's good and sound advice, man. Uh, so, uh, so Chris, we got our... Uh, I'll cut this part out. Uh, we reached a segment of the podcast I like to call around the specifics. Just call just a bunch of random questions. Some about jiu-jitsu, some aren't about jiu-jitsu. So, Chris, do you want to do around the specifics? Uh, yeah, man, far away, dude. Yeah. Oh, in that in that way back when time when you used to do gi, what was your favorite gi? <laughs> My favorite gi that I actually wore. Yeah. Uh, I still got it. I still got one. A lucky gi. Uh, there's not many people got them. It's like it's like indestructible. It's like a tank. You know what I mean? I still got it, and it's uh, it's an absolute belt of a gear. It's turned going a bit yellowy now, but it's uh, it's still my favourite gear. It's an absolute yeah, it's an absolute great gear. <laughs> oh, that's good, man. I'll see. Is there any movie that you describe as underrated in your opinion? Like doesn't get the love and uh, attention that it deserves? A, a move. Um, a movie like a film. Oh, a film. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, oh God. Um, I'm a bit of a movie buff. I know so many of them. Uh, Dead Man's Shoes maybe hasn't got quite as much. It should should have got a little bit a little bit more than it actually did. That's an absolute corker. Shane Meadows film. I'm seeing that like that's an absolute belter. Hmm. So, yeah, oh, man. yeah, man. What was that? What was your favorite TV show when you were growing up? Oh God, do you know what I wasn't in. I wasn't. I wasn't. Mad. I was one of those kids. It was a bit different when I was there. Never played computer games. Never sort of did anything like that. We was outside playing footy and rugby and smashing windows and shit like that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was a bit different back in the day. But, uh, uh, I bet smashing windows is really fun. Like, uh, I want to sort. Of, what was your favorite way to smash the windows? Like, what did you use? Did you use like basically footballs and stuff like that. We weren't trying to do it on purpose. You know what I mean? If you're one of those, you go down your local or whatever wouldn't you and you know it was that, that sort of thing it was life was a little bit different then you you literally did get kicked out of your house and school all these by your mum at nine in the morning and it was like you're back at five o'clock for your tea and you got to if you're lucky you got a pack of butties you know what i mean that was it it was, it was life was different it was like i don't let my lad do that you know now i'd be horrified you know i'd be on the phone all the time it's uh it's definitely changed a lot so tv wise god I can't even sort of really think of, of watching that much when I was a kid. Um, well, TV's gotten pretty shit lately, so, you know, because I'm like, why would I was, like? No one watches TV anymore. Just watch, just fucking like stream shit, or just go on YouTube. I watch box sets, you know, and I wait and wait. I wait for them to finish. You know, The Sopranos is still my favorite ever one I've ever seen. I've watched it about ten times, and I, and I'll literally sit there. I wait, I wait for series to finish. I can binge them the whole thing, you know what I mean? Biking, <laughs> I'd rather do that than, than watch one every week, you know what I mean? No, I, I get you. 
I'm I'm right there with you. Like I prefer watching the whole thing because I hate waiting. Yeah. I'm very I'm very fucking impatient in that regard. Awesome. But, but see, I have I have all the Sopranos there on the box set. But man, the one thing I fucking hate about the Sopranos that the fucking box sets these are like the early two thousand ones where they give you a million fucking boxes and little packages inside it. So these fucking yeah. box these boxes are so big they look about the size of five DVDs side side by side each other. And the I've cardboard sleeve. I've still got the same ones. <laughs> Man, these things, these things drive me fucking crazy. I don't think I've got a DVD player anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Chris, like, um, what was your most embarrassing injury, whether it be a jiu-jitsu injury, a non-jiu-jitsu injury? Just the way you got injured was so fucking ridiculous that it, it keeps you up at night sometimes. The worst one, and oh. And I remember it actually because it pops out because I've had a I've had a bit of a I've got a back injury that flares up every now and again. And it flared up last week. I had to take a week off. And basically, when I was a kid, me and my sister were messing around doing that thing, you know, when you spin each other around as fast as you can. And she <laughs> spun around. I landed on the floor, and she landed on top of me, and she snapped the collarbone clean in half, like proper snapped it in half. And I went seeing this osteopath uh, last week. And he actually stood me up in front of the mirror and was like that and was going, look at your posture and you slightly down. He said, I can see when you broke this, you broke your collarbone, haven't you? Have you done it from wrestling or something like that? And I'm thinking, no, I did a foot man. I did that when I was about 10 years old. My sister fell on me. <laughs> and he was actually saying, that's affecting my back because I'm leaning down on one side. I was thinking, Jesus Christ, this injury's 30 years old. <laughs> and it's still coming back to haunt me this day. Oh, yeah, that's the most embarrassing one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy oh so chris do you have any nicknames inside the gym like what does everyone call you inside the gym uh just twat i think or something like that you know what i mean <laughs> just uh, no just uh, everyone calls me tomo don't they really either chris or tomo but pretty much everyone calls me i hate the coach thing the professor thing everything like that but yeah they, they do it now and again to take the piss out and to wind me up but, uh, <laughs> everyone just calls me that name yeah Mm. On that note, Professor Chris, oh my God, what would you do with? Uh, I'm just messing with you. So, man, I'm just messing with you. So, dude, if you could time travel to any historical period, where would you go and why? Wow, that's a good question. Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, there's so much, isn't there? God, probably put me on the spot with that one. Um, I would like to have seen sort of really. Maybe it sounds a bit sounds a bit grim, but some of the horrors of like the you know the world wars, a couple of you know the, 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 in sort of 1912 and 1939, just to see actually how how bad it was compared to the way people you know are talking about things today, and just have actually seen you know how 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 life was back then as well. Uh, I'd like to see something like that, and then a sort of you know mad interesting times like we just said about the Vikings things like that. Quite, quite a bit of a history buff on stuff like that. I you know, I'm quite interested, but there's, I couldn't pinpoint one time the Roman Empire, things like that. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint Genghis Khan making things loads. You know. um, but I couldn't pinpoint one. I couldn't pinpoint one. It's just so much of it, isn't it? It's, it's shaped the world, hasn't it? And I'd like to see whether half the stuff that's written in the history books is actually true, or you know, because it's only ever written by the victors, isn't it? History, let's mm. face it. So, uh, I'd like to see if half it was true and half it wasn't true because I bet there's some pretty grim times out there, wasn't it? Mm, 100% man. 
See, me personally, I go back in time and carpet bomb the fucking Wuhan Institute of Virology so this whole fucking COVID shit didn't leak and we'd all that be on, on it. We'd all have our fucking lives together still. Yeah, we won't be doing too bad then. That's not a bad show. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, I'd use, I'd use it for a good cause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes we've got to be done for the greater good, hasn't it? Mm. Like I oh, do, I should. I, I could. I might put in a sound cue of uh, that hot fuzz saying them saying the greater good about a million times. Awesome, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris. I gotta settle this debate once and for all. Which is better, Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz? Like, what's what's your say? What's your thinking? Shaun of the Dead. Ah, oh, dude, go out of that. Hot Fuzz is way fucking better, man. It's aged way better, man. The joke and the jokes, the timing, the editing is way, way better, man. It's been that long, though. I'd have to, I might actually have to sit down and watch them both again, but it has been that long. I'd have to, have to think mm. about it. Yeah. Tr- trust me, if you watch the two of them, you'll think, you'll agree with me afterwards that Hot Fuzz has aged better. Is it? I'll have another little look because I bet the last time I went, oh, God, I couldn't even say that. Dude, the first time I saw Shaun the Dead, I was like seven years old. I thought it was a fucking horror movie. Like, Jesus Christ, it's, it's, it, it fucked me up. Like, <laughs> you safe in the pub. <laughs> oh, oh good. Uh, man, imagine being scared of a comedy movie. Same with Hot Fuzz when your man is dressed in the fucking hood and he fucking decapitates the guy with the fucking axe. I'm like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, well, we, I mean, we had like Fright Night and like Freddy Krueger and all that back in my day when I was kids. So I mean, that's just like scary. You look back on them now, they're like comedies, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. So. <laughs> Oh man, also Chris, uh, in your professional opinion, do you think you could pull off a handlebar mustache? Myself? No, not a chance of looking absolute swap with it. And last last oh, question, uh, last question, Riz. Yeah, Chris, not Riz. Speaking of Riz, because I, I fucked up the delivery of that. Last question, Chris. Do you think it's 100% okay to wrist lock white belts? Because it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I, I, I taught wrist locks from day one. We were all like, end of. It was like, this was it. This was way tough. Taught not to slam one, but we used to do. We never did those. Um, IBGF rules in even in the gear or anything like that. The only thing we didn't do was uh towels and knee bars on things, but I used to let them do it in the purple belt, you know, and stuff like that in the gear. But in no gear, I taught all subs allowed from day one, the moment you walk in the class, I taught heel up and I, I always have one as well. So, uh, <laughs> Man, you're insane. The fucking, you're insane. <laughs> okay, so guys. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, thank you for your time, Chris. And thanks for the, all your insight, Bren. So guys, if you guys want to check out Chris, it's at uh, Tomo underscore ASW. But I think that's it, but like, I'll have it in the description below because I'm terrible at remembering fucking names and shit.